We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to your favorite show. It's a Tuesday. Well, it's a Saturday here in New York and we got some snow. Now it's probably not going to fall, but it does feel like winter and it's kind of nice to see it sprinkle. Um, I just went on a little walk outside. There was absolutely no one outside, which was beautiful and peaceful. But now I'm here under a weighted blanket chatting with Emma. Uh, How's your Saturday going, dog? My Saturday's going well. Yeah, we're doing a rare Saturday podcast recording for the girlies who don't know. We typically record on Sundays or Mondays. So now I'm like convinced that tomorrow's Monday. Like today has just felt like a yeah. Sunday, but I'm great. Yeah, like Kate said, it is snowing over here, but Kate and I are from the Midwest. So the snow yeah. that we are experiencing right now is like kind of um, fun to laugh at because I'm like, this is like not a real snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, but like Kate said, it's like nice to kind of actually experience some true winter, a wintry mix. I, I just feel like, it's been really humid and uh, rainy in, in New York or just like really, really windy and cold. So it's nice to have a little variety in terms of the weather. But yeah, I'm good. I start my first in-person class for the swim instructor certification program that I've been talking about. And I do and do not feel prepared. I haven't been in a classroom setting in forever. So I'm like, wait, how do I take notes? Yeah. And I had to print off all these things at FedEx. And I feel like FedEx has definitely increased the cost of printing no, stuff and utilizing their computer because I was like, why did I just spend almost like $30 printing off pieces of paper yeah. um so maybe i need to like hit up the library or something that actually supports and giving like free resources to the general public so i was like this is this is criminal no i remember that because whenever i've gone on a depop vendor and had to print out shipping labels i'm like why am i spending so much money or the real real is the same thing with that so yeah once you get out of college you realize that printing costs costs actual money um and that kind of sucks uh, but you know, maybe you can find someone that owns a printer. Cause I remember one person I know was like, I have to go over to my one friend's house that has a printer. Cause I need to print some shit. And I was like, that's, that's a unique friend to have. 
Yeah. Or that's like the one of the few benefits of going into an office just because mm. we got the printers there. They're nice printers, nice paper. So I need to be better at planning ahead. I honestly feel like I've been very last minute with this, um, which is not good of me. But, you know, life is just busy and crazy when you're doing a million things. Yeah. No, I'm so excited to hear about your your next stage of life with instructor training, because who even knows what it'll be like? I'm super curious for you to report back to the girlies. Um, I got back to New York last night from Minnesota and I was reflecting on it because I got back to my apartment and one, my lettuce farmer is like going crazy. And so that was just disorienting. But two, most of the time when I would travel home or just leave New York or whatever my home was, it only would be under a week at a time. Even with my family going on vacations, we would always do like five days, maybe seven days. And I've been home or I've been gone from New York for over two weeks. And so it felt really weird coming back. Like, I think most of the time I'm able to jump back into the routine and things feel familiar, but I like was walking around and going on runs and it was just like a run, not runs. And it was just really unfamiliar to me and it felt weird. So I'm really excited to be back. Um, yeah, the snow thing's kind of funny. I saw someone walking outside with an umbrella in the snow mm -hmm. and I was like, that's not what we do guys. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to get my feet grounded in New York, but then I decided that I'm going to take myself on a solo trip to Paris. I was planning to do this last September. And then unfortunately, you know, my dad got a cancer diagnosis and passed that month. So haven't really had the urge to go to Paris or the money or, you know, the emotional uh, stability to do that. But I've decided that one, it's like something that my dad definitely encouraged me to do. He traveled a lot, like all throughout his 20s, and he didn't get married till he was 35. So it's something that I'm very interested in doing. And I think it's one of those things that I would always put off. And so I just have to like rip off the bandaid and book a flight and then I will do the planning of it. So if you have any um, recommendations, let me know. I am going by myself and I am planning to like stay by myself. I'm not like hosting a run. I've already gotten that DM like a few times, but maybe if there's like a run club, I could go if there are any in Paris that you guys know about, but I'm really excited. Um, I'm trying to be a true influencer and like maybe work with a hotel or something because I figured, you know, I'm not going to be doing this fucking content thing for the rest of my life. So I might as well get the benefits of it if I travel. So cheers to Paris. I actually don't know when I'm going to go, but maybe end of January once I figure my life out. This is so exciting. I love Paris. I know that you've been to Paris before, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, solo travel is something that I want to start doing hopefully this year. Uh, like you said, it's like so easy to just put it off or tell yourself like, oh, like there's other things going on. I'll like do it at a later date. But I definitely don't want to like wake up when I'm like 30 or 35 and be like, damn shit. I wish I had like yeah. done all these things when I was 20. So maybe I'll go to London. I have some family Ooh. that lives in London. They're actually in town for New Year's and New Year's Day. And I met up with one of my cousins who lives in London. I was like, you know what? I want to go there and experience life beyond New York. So I think it's like really easy to think that like New York is all that there is in the world, but that is clearly not the case. Um, kind of a few additional intertopics for me. I meant to say this in the last podcast episode, but then I just got fully off the rails with whatever it was that I was talking about <laughs> in the intro. Um, but I have rediscovered my love for collagen. I was buying collagen pretty frequently. And then I go back and forth in terms of like the taste of it and like the texture it gives, you know, smoothies and yogurt bowls and whatnot. Yeah. But when I was home and also too, it was like, I, I kind of like scaled back my spending on like wellness stuff because it was just getting like a little out of hand. I was like, this isn't something that I like necessarily need because I can get like, you know, like collagen from other sources. But mm -hmm. when I was home, my my mom and my brother are really into collagen and they have been using this one from Trader Joe's. And I always forget to look at the supplement oh, section right. of Trader Joe's just because I don't go to Trader Joe's for supplements. Yeah. Um, but they have like a fully like grass fed collagen that's like probably, you know, like secretly vital um 
vital peptides, protein, whatever that brand is called. Um, and then, or probably, you know, whatever popular brands are on the market. I'm like, so out of loop when it comes to collagen brands these days. Um, but yeah, it's like very clean, very healthy, you know, grass fed, like I said, and it's only $11. And my brother gave me a whole tutorial on like how he uses his collagen and his yogurt. And he's like, it makes it like so fluffy and it changes the texture. It takes away some of the tang. And I was like, you know what, Clifford, I'm kind of into this. So I've been really into collagen. Um, it is like a pretty decent source of protein. It does lack one of like the essential, like one of the nine essential amino acids. So it's not like a total like complete protein profile. So like, don't utilize it like in replacement for protein powder. But if you do just want to get like a little additional boost, I think it's great. And yeah, now I'm kind of like fully obsessed with just like, you know, scanning the supplement section at Trader Joe's because it is like so much cheaper than going to a, you know, Whole Foods or a health store, if you will. Yeah, that's funny. I always forget Trader Joe's has supplements Um, because I remember for a while I was buying like my toothpaste from Trader Joe's. And so then I was in that section and I was like, oh, shit. Um, I've been buying my supplements at Wegmans. I don't know if you've been yet or not, not um, yet. but no, it has a full aisle with supplements and it has, it has thorn, which I thought was like shocking. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like I don't see that as most of the health stores, um, that I frequent, but supplement game for me, I don't know. I mean, I've been just taking creatine for a long time and I feel like it's helped me a lot with recovery for marathon training, but I don't really have any new supplements in the mix for the girlies. It's just the tried and true AG one in the morning, magnesium at night for me. Yeah, mine is truly just coconut coal, um, Brazil nuts, and the magnesium. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I still feel completely, fi- completely fine. Vitamin D when I remember to take it. But yeah. no, I need to visit the Wegmans. Everyone keeps on asking me. Like, my family's been like, have you visited, funny. visited the Wegmans? I'm like, A, how do you know about the Wegmans? Yeah. <laughs> and B, no, because it is, like, not that close to me. But I took next Friday off, so maybe I'll go and visit Wegmans. But I also likely won't. Um, My last topic is I feel like I had like a moment of reflection last night I was cleaning up my google drive folders and I came across some like really really sad like diary entries if you will of just like past dating experiences and like for girlies you don't know like I now with like my boyfriend we've been together for like almost eight months very much in love um and I just kind of realized that like you know I am so happy that none of those you know situations like romantic situations ever actually like happened or nothing like really came from them I feel like in the moment it's like so easy to like get so down on yourself when like some some sort of like romantic partner interest doesn't go the way as planned and I'm sure like anyone who's had experiences with the dating apps like it's really easy to get hung up on that one person then when you go on like a new date with a new person you realize like oh wow thank god I'm like not with that past person um so yeah it was just like really good to kind of see that like oh, I did make it out alive and like everyone definitely deserves to like find their, you know, person, soulmate, if you will, someone who like really loves all the layers about you. And I just kind of wish like past me if she was able to have seen like where like her and me would have been just like realizing that like, oh, there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like it would have made like that whole spiraling process so much easier. So that's just kind of like my love tip for all the girlies who are maybe out there trying to date or maybe you just got out of something like something new and exciting will definitely happen and you'll kind of realize over time that like whatever you were in previously like it's for the best that it didn't work out even if like you know for the moment or for a few months it it is hard and challenging but you definitely deserve to like feel beautiful confident and fully accepted for who you are and like this is the first time where I feel like I've actually been told that like you are beautiful you're sexy and all these other things and and I think that's something that everyone deserves and I definitely like pray and hope that you all get to experience that at some point in your life. Yeah, I love that. I mean, modern dating out there is awful in comparison to how dating used to be. I think you just hear so many 
horror stories on the internet dating apps have become just a money grab that i think they have changed a lot since when they were first created um you know we don't have third spaces anymore it's really hard to meet people a lot of people in like new york city and big cities specifically aren't looking for commitment so it can just be hard to put yourself out there because i think there's a lot of incentives to not want to do it um but yeah like emma said things can happen and i think reflecting on relationships and also like what you were like when you were in relationships is really important regardless of like the other person or not because you know if you date someone and it doesn't work out they're not like the main character in your life and I think when I would get fixated on like people I was with I realized looking back on it now is like you know I was so happy or that person made me so happy and I missed that in reality like I was kind of the primary character I was so happy because I was being myself and I have the power to do that at any any time like I don't need the person to make me feel complete you know um so I think that's something to keep in mind too that don't get discouraged by just if a fucked up dating thing happens to you because I can list off hundreds of thousands that have happened to me that continue to um, happen to me. But for me, at least in terms of moving on, it's like just rip off the bandaid and go on another date. Remind yourself that there's like abundance. There's like millions of people out there. So don't get don't get stuck on, you know, situationships in the past, we'll say. Uh, yes. So with that, we're going to get into today's episode. We have uh, multiple different topics that we're going to touch on. We hope you all enjoyed the wellness trend prediction episode and yeah we're going to talk about ultra running the flaxseed face mask um brain fog red light therapy you name it just all the things all the little things it's like a big like smorgasbord of of topics so many things um i'll call emma back and then we'll get into this week's podcast we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. 
Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, CMOS Grillies. We are so excited to announce today's podcast sponsor, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Are you tired of cooking the same slop? Well, spice it up with the premier variety offered by Green Chef. You can embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu with 80 plus options. Green Chef even has tons of lifestyle preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you name it. Supporting your gut health can be challenging, but Green Chef makes it really easy and fun because their meals are nutrient-dense, science-backed, gut and brain health recipes, which are all developed in partnership with registered dietitians that can help improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. If you girlies are looking to stock up your pantry on different functional snacks and clean beverages, you know, the ones that support your gut and brain health this January, lucky for you, Green Chef has different green bundles, which are a curated selection of unique handpicked goods that support your overall wellness goals. Emma and I love using Green Chef to learn how to cook new dishes, to spice up our pantry with new goodies and snacks, and have much less worry about grocery shopping. So if you're interested in trying out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash 60CMOS and use code 60CMOS to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Now back to the show. All right, we are back, ready to pod. So the first topic that I have for you girlies today is about ultra running or endurance sports for women. Now, the reason that I want to talk about this is, first of all, I shared um, the Huberman Lab episode with David Goggins onto my Instagram story. And a few of you guys were like, what are your thoughts on it? And I DM some of you guys, but a few people asked, like, talk about it on the pod. And I didn't think there was space for me to talk about, like, the entire, I don't know, episode on this podcast, whatever, but I thought I should mention it. And I'm also reading a book about, um, it's mainly about running and grief, but it talks about the woman's experience getting into ultra running and how she kind of stumbles in, into it accidentally. And so I want to talk about this and just like women's health more broadly to sort of inspire the CMOS girlies or just like provide a lot of information because this is something that I did not know. Um, the main thesis of what I'm going to say is that women are actually a lot better at running long, long distances than men. It is like the only thing that women physiologically are better at than men. We know that men have much more testosterone than us. Our bodies are very different hormonally than men. So when it comes to like any sort of sport, men are predominantly going to be able to beat women. Um, and so the Goggins episode to keep my like brief like thesis on that, I think it's good to listen to people that have different perspectives on health and wellness, you know, like listen to the Mark Hyman's, listen to the Huberman's, listen to everyone across the map and sort of come to your own conclusions with it. David Goggins is a freak. For people who don't know, he's this American retired U.S. Navy SEAL. He runs crazy long distances, like hours on hours on end. And so a lot of his advice is like really bullish. It's really short. He swears a lot. And he's kind of just like, I don't care if your foot's broken, keep fucking running. Obviously, that's extreme and like crazy and like not good medical advice for you to have. But I think he serves as this extreme example of grit and perseverance and sort of training through like tough times um i will say a comment on goggins though he runs for hours hours on end of the day and the time commitment that goes along with training for something that's an ultra marathon is an extreme privilege to be able to run for hours like no one can fucking do that every single day unless running is your career which it is for him 
So I just want to keep that as like a, a consideration. Um, but back to ultra running for women. So I'm currently finishing up this book that's called Running Home by Katie Arnold. I did a full YouTube review on it. But in the book, it talks about how I said earlier, she stumbles into running an ultra marathon and Katie Arnold is an exceptional athlete, but she signs up for this race. And for those who don't know, ultra marathons are anything that are over the distance of running a marathon. So there's 50 Ks, which come out to be like 31 miles. There's 50 mile races and there's a hundred mile races. Each of them have like, you know, different um, kind of standards. A lot of them are trail races. So a lot of them deal with a lot of elevation. Some of them you have to time qualify for some of them. Anyone can run for it's there's a lot of different options for everyone, but in the, in the book, um, Katie Arnold is running and she didn't really have any like goals of like finishing the race by a certain time or whatever, but she gets to one of the aid stations and all the volunteers, for those who don't know, eat, eating gels and like uh, that type of stuff is really important for ultra races and trail races. There's entire like pit stops. Um, if you can imagine that, like, let's say you run 10 miles, there's a pit stop with volunteers. Sometimes if you sign up for an ultra, you have to get your own crew to like help you. And then sometimes they'll provide you new shoes or like blister band-aids new clothes, food, stuff like that to really just take care of you and then sort of send you off for like, let's say 15 more miles. And so she stops at an aid station and someone starts yelling at her. They're like, you're the first female, like go, like you're the first female, like go fast. Because, you know, when you're ultra running, you stop at these aid stations and you can take as little or as long time as you want to. If you're trying to run fast, you obviously want to have those transitions be really like seamless. Um, so when she heard that, she was like, how the fuck am I the first female? And she ends up winning the race. Um, and I found the book to be really interesting. And she talks about how running long distances were fair, was fairly easy for her to get into. And it sort of piqued my interest because I've always been someone that had this preconceived notion of what a distance runner looks like. I think someone who's rail thin, someone who's fairly small. I just have these ideas in my head uh, based on what society tells us about, you know, thinness and health. Um, and once I've started looking at, you know, my own physical ability and sort of running the New York City Marathon, now training for my second marathon, I'm like, maybe I fucking run an ultra one day. And I've told my mom, I'm like, if you hear me sign up for a 50 mile race, like take a gun to my head, like that's crazy town. But now I'm like, I actually feel like I have a lot of skills that could perform really well for long distances. Because when you are running a 50 mile race, it's not about being the fastest. It's about being the smartest and being strategic in those moments. And so this gets to a broader point that women are better at ultra marathons. And so I'm going to read this little passage from Katie um, in the book. It says, ultra running is one of the rare sports in which at the highest level, women are physiologically capable of beating men. Ultra runners of both genders call this getting chicked. The longer distance, the greater female's running advantage. In the 90s, ultra legend Anne Trossen won the women's division at the Western States 100, which is one of the, like the most coveted ultra marathon races. And she won it 14 times. Twice she came in second place overall and finished in, or she ran it 14 times. Twice she came in second place overall. She finished in the top 10, 11 times. While there's plenty of anecdotal evidence ramping up in the chicking of the sport, there's little hard science to explain why females fare so well in extreme endurance. The most widespread speculation is that women's innate abilities to withstand the ardors of childbirth enable them to keep going for hours in other pursuits, even when they feel that they will surely perish from the effort. Now, there's also data that is starting to come out. Um, as it comes with scientific data, of course, uh, a lot of things are not tested on women. So you can imagine that there's a lot of lack of data on women running ultra races. But there is a little bit of data that every year around 30 ultra marathons in North America are won outright by women, not just like women's category, like someone broke a record, but women beating men. Um, and some reasons that people hypothesize, of course, is that 
women's hormones are more conducive to running ultra distances and women metabolize fat better, which gives them an advantage. So back to those two points. So women need to store more fat during pregnancy and breastfeeding. And so women become more efficient in doing so all the time. So that's why women cannot lose fat as well as men can. We can't get super lean and low fat but we use it to our advantage when it comes to running distance. If you don't know, there's glycogen stores in your muscles. And when those things deplete, your body starts to go for fat sources. And so that's why you have to keep eating when you run and run for hours on end. Um, when your glycogen levels deplete, which is pretty you know, obviously going to happen in an ultra race, the bod body uses fat for energy. And it's believed that women can oxidize fat better than men which is like one hypothesis why, you know, women don't tend to bonk it's called in running or hit the wall or sort of like hit a point where they can't run anymore. And then also women have more slow twitch muscle fibers than men, which just suits better for long, long distances. And then like the broader kind of philosophical point is that women are just better at planning. Most of us are primed in the patriarchy to be mothers, to be caretakers. A lot of us are going to be rearing a child and going through hours, if not days of childbirth. Um, and so Katie talks in the book, like, yeah, I was in like, you know, giving birth to a child for 10 plus hours. I can run for 10 hours on end. Uh, another big part of ultra running is that you have to eat throughout the run and you have to be really smart with problem solving. Almost every single runner that does ultra stuff, like, you're going to get some sort of calf cramp or you're going to get some sort of stomach ache and you have to adapt on the fly and in the spot. And you also can't go out too fast. I think a lot of men, um, you know, get that testosterone boost from running really fast versus women can pace much better than men. Um, and then the other point I want to make about this is that there was this New York Times article that I think came out in the past year or so. And it was an op-ed or maybe it was someone's opinion piece, but it was a wife. And she was just saying like, my marriage is crumbling and my kids are suffering because my husband is an ultra marathon runner. And the piece went on to talk about how this dad had to commit to so much running that he was just totally absolving himself from taking care of children. And this is a very common phenomenon of like men that just will go out and like bike for seven hours or run for five hours, whatever the fuck. Um, so I thought that to be a very interesting point on this too, back to that point about like, running ultras is definitely, you know, a time commitment privilege. I mean, you can wake up super early and do it before your nine to five, but you definitely have to get crafty with how, you know, you're able to fit in the training. And then I kind of want to, you know, say that to any CMOS girlies out there um, who maybe think like, I could never run a marathon, I could never do distance, like that shit sounds crazy. Don't set limiting beliefs on yourself in that category, because I thought I would never run a marathon. I never, ever, ever thought I would. I thought it was like crazy shit. I thought people were insane for running that long. Um, and I, when I was talking to my mom when I was back home, you know, who people don't know, she was a professional athlete. And I always ask her, like, when were you at your best, like physically? And she always says when I was 28 and 29, because by that time I knew how to sleep. I knew how to eat. I knew how to take care of my body. My body was finally done with puberty and also that second puberty that we talk about. So I think just really take it as an opportunity that, you know, you're not done just because you weren't on the high school varsity or played college athletics. Like there's plenty of opportunity to move your body and do really incredible things. Um, I don't see myself signing up for a 50 mile race this year. I'm kind of booked with Big Sur Marathon and then I'll probably do a fall marathon TBD on that. But I'm just thinking in the next few years or so, it's like a fun thing to think about and just sort of, you know, explore new opportunities for yourself. This is super exciting. You definitely have the the marathon bug, I can tell, yeah. uh, which is like a very real thing that I talk about with my boyfriend a lot. But 
I think this is like really interesting research and something that like is not talked about a lot. And I think like can clearly give a lot of like women like motivate motivation and like encouragement and confidence, especially just because I feel like recently the whole conversation around like women and exercise is that like we shouldn't Don't overdo it and like we're stressing yeah. out our bodies, but it's like, no, we are fully capable of like going just as hard as men. And like, yeah, of course, maybe our recovery protocols are going to be a little bit different. And like, yes, of course, like we do have to, you know, battle the fluctuating hormones with our menstrual cycle, but that still shouldn't like stop you from like wanting to do really challenging things in life. Yeah. And I think similarly to Kate, like, yeah, if you want to do something, like, just go out and fucking do it. I reflect a lot on, you know, just everything that I have accomplished. And for me, it's, like, really easy to think that I haven't accomplished a lot. But, you know, when I do sit down, I'm like, okay, I am 25 and I've done all these things. And, like, when I talk to younger people, whenever I get, like, you know, coffee with them, if they're asking for, like, just general life advice or career advice, you know, I always just tell people that, like, you know, you have to believe in yourself because, like, there's going to be many moments when, like, most people won't. But as long as you, like, believe in yourself and know that you want something – then like you have like the full control and the ability to do so even though if it's like scary and daunting um so yeah let's just to say like just go out and do it and like you know you do only have one life and you don't want to regret anything and that's something that like I feel like as I slowly have gotten like older even though like I'm still very young um you know I don't want to like wake up when I'm 30 or 40 or 50 and be like damn I wish I did this thing and then like you know obviously chose against it because I was scared like I never want to have regrets like that yeah, the only other point I have on running a marathon, if you want to heal your body image issues, do that. You know, I think if I were to train for an ultra race, I feel like that would be, I'm not saying you have to do something extremely physically challenging mm-hmm. to heal your body shit. But for me, at least with marathon training, I stopped giving a fuck what I look like. I, I started giving a fuck if I can perform and if I can continue to make all my workouts feel good and not get injured. So I think it helped me a lot with fueling and just seeing my body as a vessel to get me places versus how it looked. Because like, I could not care less about like what I looked in the mirror, which is I've come a very long way for that one. Um, getting into our next topic. So I don't have TikTok right now on my phone, but I had a coworker that was telling me about this and I was very interested because she was like asking if I thought this was like valid or not. So there's like this viral flaxseed face mask going on. Um, the original video was um, put out by this girl named Victoria Benitez and she's like the founder of an online wellness community. And I guess the video has over 6 million views right now. And essentially the video, she's just explaining and making lots of claims about like how this DIY version of this like flaxseed face mask, which is just flaxseed and water, um, full flaxseed, not the ground up is can give like similar results to Botox or compared to Botox. And some of her claims as to like why this works is since it's like high in fiber. So this can like hydrate and soothe the skin, um, antioxidants, which can prevent aging and just like overall the gelatinous texture from when you mix flaxseed with water. I'm sure everyone that has done that, like it gets very gooey, kind of similar to like psyllium husk. And like this can create some sort of like temporary tightening effect on the skin. And so my overall question when I was like being explained this, you know, viral trend and just like the face mask and its validity and whether I thought it would work or not is like, can any of these things even actually penetrate through the skin barrier? And also like, are you just going to be better off actually regularly consuming flax seeds versus like using it topically. And obviously like it's a very broad sweeping claim to be like, this is going to give you like similar, if not like the same results as Botox, which is like, I'm going to get into in a moment, but like the TLDR is like, no, it is not. And like, you shouldn't be making claims like that. Um, And there's like really very little evidence to support topical uses of flax seed. Of course, there's like plenty of research on like, you know, taking it 
you know, orally and, you know, ingesting that and then just, you know, overall omega-3s and like all the other antioxidants that are present in flax seeds. Um, but it is a false claim that it can perform similar results as Botox and like Botox is like very well researched and like has very unique ingredients that you're never going to be able to fully mimic that through, you know, other natural ingredients, if you will. And this is like definitely a short-term solution. And I'm not like against you doing a flaxseed mask. Like I, you know, DIY holistic face facial masks have been around for years and years and years. Like everyone was obsessed with like putting honey on their skin and then like oatmeal. And even like when Lush was around, there was like a coffee scrub um, exfoliator that I feel like everyone was obsessed with too. So it kind of reminds me of the Lush days. Um, but like eventually, you know, like this claim of like, it'll help prevent aging. Like the aging process is going to get to you whether you're like applying like a face mask or not. Um, but there are some benefits to like omega-3s and flax seeds and just fats in general. And really the main thing is that it's going to help reduce with like inflammation. So it can potentially help in reducing acne and also to just like you need fats to really help regulate and maintain your hormones. And, you know, when you do strip away fats, like that can put women in a very, very like bad state um, when you talk about hormones and like that can lead to like a lot of like chicken acne and other flare-ups. And that's why a lot of people who do experience anorexia when they are under eating, they can actually experience like very like dry, itchy, scaly skin and also can experience a lot of breakouts because of these hormonal imbalances. Um, but also to omega-3s and just like flax seeds in general, they can improve the skin barrier function. Therefore, like I said, like helping fight against dry, itchy and red skin. Um, but I just think like making claims like these and like this is like another thing that's like very annoying about like the wellness industry at times is that like these people make these claims without any like validity or having like any research to back it up. And, you know, it's like totally fine of like, you know, you experimented with something and it worked out for you. But I think that like posting that to like the general public can be a little concerning because it's like, what if someone's allergic or like what if it inter interacts with like the other, like, you know, topical ointments that they're also applying and also, do I think it's, like, just frustrating because, like, when you watch her video, she has, like, very beautiful, like, glassy skin. And it's just, like, the fact that we just, like, immediately trust people who have perfect skin or bodies to, like, you know, automatically, like, you know, be the one source of truth, I think is, like, extremely problematic because there's so many more, you know, educated estheticians out there and, like, people who maybe, like, don't have as, like, perfect skin. Um, And we just have to remember that, like, genetics, um, you know, definitely come into play here and we don't know the full story. And I think it's just, like, really easy to assume that, like, oh, if I just, like, slap flaxseed mixed with water my face i'm gonna like somehow look like this woman um so i don't have any like hard stance on it like do it if you want but like i wouldn't expect it to like give you all these crazy results and you're probably better off just like a maintaining a healthy diet and like you know sticking to your regular skincare routine also flax seeds are expensive and so no way in hell would i like ever even consider wasting a single flax seed on on my face yeah, I was going to say, I think this happens a lot in every industry now with social media. I think about restaurants a lot because a lot of people have come through the internet of becoming restaurant reviewers. And now people that were legit restaurant critics are sort of not getting the same invites or getting the same clicks maybe that they used to be. It's happening with like book talk, but at the same time, it does democratize, democratize um, information and knowledge like a lot of people are getting careers to be fashion critics or whatever that may have not been able to because of you know systemic disparities that come with job hiring and a lot of nepotism that goes into industry creation but I think when it comes to wellness there's this problem because there are a lot of holistic eastern traditions and then um, it kind of gets co-opted by primarily like a white affluent woman and I didn't even watch this TikTok so I don't know about this person in specific whatever um, but then it goes on social media it becomes viral I think that happens a lot with like the gua sha I could think of um, turmeric I could think of as well 
So it's kind of weird. I think more of the concern is that people are so quick to trust that. I know a lot of people, there was some stat how people will, instead of going on the internet and like researching something, they'll search it into TikTok, which is like fine because like I'm a social media creator. So like I understand there's information on there, but I do think there's this area where people do not trust um, sources like they used to and they trust you know, your friend's recommendations versus what an esthetician could say. So watch out on that. We do have another skincare thing, though. I feel like we've been talking about skincare almost every episode. Um, Emma and I are very skincare minimal knowledge, but I suppose the girlies want to know our takes on it. The next one I saw was red light therapy, which I've been seeing all over TikTok. People have been starting to buy those like masks and just using red light a lot more. I've seen this a lot. I used to work at a green beauty spot in the West Village and I've gotten facials before. So I've seen it done like in like by estheticians and shit. Um, but people are buying these face, face masks. It's all over TikTok. The hashtag red light therapy has over 96 million views. And so what are the benefits of it? First of all, I'll start with a science lesson. Now, I was very bad at science growing up. I never took any advanced science classes, did not make sense in my brain. But I remember when we learned about like UV radiation, red light, you had to make the little graph or whatever science that was. Um, so my science lesson for you guys, red light therapy is thought to work by acting on your cells mitochondria. Um, with more energies, other cells can do their work more efficiently. So, you know, skin can be repaired, new cell growth can happen, skin rejuvenation. And so certain cells are going to absorb different wavelengths and are going to be working better um, because, of, because of that. And so the benefits of red light are that like this low level of red light exposed to your skin can help with skin conditions such as psoriasis. But the reason for this is because red light can actually penetrate the skin. So kind of how Emma was talking about like the flaxseed and like, can that even do anything? Um, red light can penetrate the skin up to six millimeters deep. And so it's thought to treat acne. It can do some sort of things with wound healing, anti-aging, you know, collagen boosting, all of that sort of like positive skincare shit. And it doesn't damage the skin in the same way that like UV radiation does. The only sort of like concern if you are applying red light from your house is like don't put it in your eyes but you can't like harm yourself with red light so it's fairly safe for the consumer to play around with um one thing that's kind of funny about tiktok is so when you look up like red light therapy let's say if you were to google that right now you'll see a bunch of things that are like face masks and they're like these crazy like tech looking things i'm sure you could like see a tiktok where you put it on your face and then you just kind of like sit in your apartment and you look a little bit like a robot or something like that. Um, and so people have looked these things up and they're hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And so people have gotten very crafty and creative and started to buy chicken lights um, and started to use that and sit in front of those as like a budget friendly option because you know, the, the main ones on the market are like solar wave. Dennis gross has one. I mean, you can Google and like find your, um, options but one thing about it is that like dermatologists have been using red light for a very long time i know a few times when i've gotten a facial they'll take this little red light thing on like a pimple and like zap it for a little bit um and so as i said earlier like these products are generally safe to use but the ones that are at home or like if you're going diy with the chicken thing um they may use a lower wavelength of frequency which means that they're just less powerful than what like your dermatologist probably has access to or other like skin professionals and so if you're someone that's like really concerned about skin let's say like you have a condition that's been bothering you for a while um maybe you could invest in this i don't know it's not a catch-all gonna solve everything i think the only point that i could see that would make sense for someone to buy this like let's say you're getting facials every single month or maybe like twice a month and the person that you're getting them from uses a red light device 
those that the treatment is probably hundreds of dollars for one session. So like it could be less expensive for you to go out and buy your own device for at home use. But, you know, back to research, back to science. A lot of researchers say we need more clinical trials to confirm this effectiveness as a treatment. And like if you're interested, you should first seek out your healthcare provider if this is like an option for your skin or a dermatologist or something like that. Um, and like the gold standard for a study we would need would be a clinical study. You know, we'd be able to see if the product is effective if we got like a randomized placebo controlled trial. But I don't really know if that's going to come down the pipeline anytime soon. So my overall take on it is like, don't throw out your skincare products or like whatever you're using, like keep using them, keep using sunscreen, keep doing everything already that's like in your skincare routine or whatever the fuck. Um, and like, don't just think that this is going to solve any of your issues kind of back to like the same train of thought as like the the flaxseed shit it is like so exhausting just like how many products there are for skincare and there's just like a new trend every single day and I don't even like bother looking at it because this is probably the best my skin has ever been and I just use everything from the drugstore and I think people need to realize that like the drugstore is a very powerful place and you can get incredible results using just CeraVe um Yeah, I've never experimented with red light therapy. I'm interested. My dad really likes it. He likes to use it because he thinks he, like, is developing arthritis. And he has this one that's, like, a wearable band. And he just, like, walks around the house with it. And I'm like, you know, John Ruffy, whatever it is that you you, want. Um, Whatever whatever it is that's going to get you through the day. Yeah. Um, Okay. Our last topic is going to be, like, our guidance slash tips on brain fog. It's the new year. I'm sure a lot of grillies are just getting back into going to work. Some people are still on break for like college winter break. And, you know, those first few days, first week, it's like, wait, how do I use my brain again after like, you know, not having to utilize it for a week or two? That's definitely how I felt these past few days. And maybe you're experiencing a little bit of brain fog. You're, you know, kind of still getting over any potential hangover that you've had from New Year's. Um, But to kind of get into this, so kind of TLDR high level here is that brain fog, it's not a medical condition, but rather a symptom of other medical conditions. And so typically if you are experiencing brain fog, you might be experiencing like a lack of clarity or trouble focusing, and it can greatly impact like those executive decision-making processes. Um, And brain fog is also commonly known as like chronic fatigue syndrome and can kind of fall underneath like this bucket. And so what chronic fatigue syndrome is, it's like defined as like greater than six months of like persistent fatigue that has been experienced physically and cognitively. And this was defined in 1994 by the CDC. And, you know, we've talked a decent amount, I feel like, about like chronic fatigue and like adrenal uh, fatigue as well. However, like a specific decision or a specific definition for brain fog when it relates to chronic fatigue syndrome has yet to be like really fully developed. And therefore like brain fog can be, you know, designed as like the perception and experience of like a mental fatigue that is like associated related to like any other like mild cognitive impairments that are, you know, further tied back to uh, CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome. But like overall, there's like this like belief that it is tied to high levels of inflammation and changes in hormones that can determine your mood, energy, and focus. And so any imbalance levels of hormones can potentially make your entire system be really really thrown off and you know there's still like more growing research in terms of you know this overall area and just like brain health in general is starting to get like so much more um focus i think like you know primarily more like the biohacking space if you will um but like if you are experiencing brain frog of course brain fog i feel like i keep on saying frog um 
you know, it's going to like, depending on like the severity and frequency, it could be tied to like a way more serious illness, like Lyme disease. That's like very commonly known. Like one of the symptoms is to have like consistent brain fog that does like feel very chronic, or it could be something super minor, such as like lack of sleep for a few days. And so if you are someone who like is experiencing it, like maybe out of nowhere, but then it's like very persistent and it's like not going away regardless of, you know, you wearing blue light blocking glasses or getting more sleep or like drinking more water, et cetera. Like that's when you definitely want to maybe look into going to some sort of like either holistic practitioner or just like going to your general practitioner and getting like certain blood work tests. There's many different ones that can help you kind of better diagnose like what the root issue could be. Um, and I feel like a functional practitioner here would potentially be your better option. But again, I'm not going to tell you who to see and not to see. Um, but just like overall lifestyle tips and supplements that you want to take to help, you know, improve your brain fog first, definitely focusing on gut health. This is maybe an area that you wouldn't consider, but there are millions of microbes in our gut that do directly influence our brain health and vice versa through something called the mind gut connection that we've talked about before. I'm sure you've heard about it on multiple different podcasts, but really here, like a healthy gut is going to equal like a healthy brain. And so food will have the biggest impact here. And there's again, like more and more emerging research on this area. So, you know, all the gut health protocols, so I'm not going to list them off again. Again, adaptogens, um, I feel like in terms of like rank, like this is probably going to need to be like lower on the list in terms of like intervention here, but they do have their time and place. And these are like, you know, going to be your broad family of herbs and mushrooms. And they've been around for like many, many, many years. And they're very prevalent, like Eastern practices. And it's going, you know, to be things such as like lion's mane and ashwagandha and holy basil. And all of these can really help you in like handling stress and restoring balance for the endocrine system. Um, and like adaptogens in order for them to be considered an adaptogen, they have to be like non-specific, meaning that they can give you what you need in the moment. Um, so, you know, they can help with lower information and also help boost energy and also like just cognition. Lion's mane is also one of the few adaptogens that can penetrate through the blood brain barrier. So that is why it's like kind of known as like being like the brain mushroom, if you will. Um, prioritizing sleep again, like when we sleep, our brain kind of like washes out that toxic waste buildup and cerebral fluid rushes in and clears out any like potential debris that's kind of been building up throughout the day. And like, this is like a very normal process for us as humans. And also like during sleep, we consolidate memories and create new brain cells. And so it's like really easy to feel the effects from one bad night of sleep. And I think like most people that are experiencing brain fog, it's likely because like they aren't getting like adequate sleep. And so this is like one area that I definitely recommend looking more into if you know that you're someone who is a bit more of a night owl or maybe you just like don't get like really true REM sleep. Like maybe you're sleeping eight hours a day, but it's like, is that really, are you actually getting very deep sleep through that? And of course there's like different wearables and gadgets that you can utilize to monitor, monitor that. And then lastly too, I think like from a from a food or diet perspective is just like limiting or like at least being mindful of sugar um you know high blood glucose levels can lead to insulin resistance and diabetes which have been shown to be linked to alzheimer's and low low glucose can actually lead to brain fog and irritability so constant spikes and drops should be avoided so you know definitely focus on like a protein rich breakfast and just like always ensuring that you're having some sort of like protein or fat with your carbs um, and, you know, if you are going to have like, you know, a fun little treat, like make sure you're not having it like on an empty stomach or at least moving your body around a little bit. And of course, like if these things can't always happen all the time when you do have, you know, a brownie or croissant, whatever it may be, like you're going to be fine. You're not going to like suddenly like have all these like mental clarity issues. Um, but like our brain is also 60% fat. So getting like quality fats and diets, um, especially omega-3s 
such as like fish, flaxseed, avocados, olive oils, and eggs are going to be your best friend. And again, kind of tying back to like what I was saying earlier about like, you know, when people do limit fats in their diets, especially people who are maybe experiencing anorexia, like one very common symptom of that is like to have like brain fog and just like constant forgetfulness. Like I definitely felt like I was just thinking a lot slower when I was going through that. And it was definitely because I just like was under fueling my body and therefore my brain as well. Like our brain is such a, you know, it's very hungry for calories constantly. And so much of the food that we do, we does go towards, you know, just like our brain. Um, so those are a few things that you can definitely do. I would love to hear anyone else's, um, tips and tricks. Um, I feel like I've definitely been better when it comes to brain fog. And I think also too, just like me reading more and like not doom scrolling has done wonders. I just feel like for my like clarity and sharpness. Um, so if you find yourself just constantly doom scrolling, maybe consider just like reading three or four pages of a book or like a news article. And it's like really amazing. just how much um, information you kind of compound in just like short bursts of time like that. Yeah, I agree. I think I read, and I don't know if this stat is right, I'll correct the stat for next week, but I'm reading a book about eating disorders, and I think the brain takes in 20% of your calories or something like that. So I remember when I, like, after I took the LSAT, I was, like, so fucking hungry, and it was, like, the strangest feeling, like, probably more hungry than I was after the fucking marathon. So it's really true that, like, if you're not eating, your brain's not going to work. The only thing I would add on top of like reading, um, journaling is something that's helped me a lot. And also breath work and med- meditation are things that I've started to get into. Um, just to slow down your nervous system. Like I will catch myself walking around and I'm like, why the fuck is my heart rate feel like I'm in a war zone right now? Like, what am I fucking doing? So just be cautious, conscious of your breath. I think a lot of us are not really thinking about breath either. Um, but that's the pod for this week. As always, let us know any topics you want for next week. We love doing these smorgasbord episodes with weird shit, and we hope you guys like them too. Um, yeah, I gotta get on with my life and go on a fucking date. We'll see how it goes, uh, which is why we're potting today. Okay, but. she's on her back-to-back dating era, so maybe we'll get some updates in the next pod. Yeah, I'm gonna eat some dinner, kind of tidy up the apartment, and and go to bed and like prepare for this class i'm not ready to be in a class for eight hours but you know what i can do it i've done it before i'm gonna do it again i'll get through it pack a lot of snacks because your brain's gotta work tomorrow oh honey i got all the snacks i got chomps i got granola bars i got actually the wild planet little like um they come in like a little round circular tin can and it's like you know on the go snack or food but it's like a bean white bean salad they've had before it's pretty good i got mary's crackers apples um so yeah there's gonna be a swimming part of the class tomorrow that's all i know which i feel very prepared for i like don't have to prepare for that but it's like just this like manual stuff that i've been reading that i'm like am i retaining this am i not what's going on here um and i'm like if 16 year no no shade of 16 year olds but i'm like if 16 year olds can get the certification i think i also can I think you're fine. Um, but I'm excited for you to give us the report next week. Um, but that's that. We love you so much, girlies. We will see you on the meme page and talk to you guys next week. Ow. Ow. Ow.